welcome to the Girl Tries Life podcast, where we show you that women are capable of absolutely incredible things with the right tools, strategies, and mindset in place. I'm your host, Victoria Smith, a stress reduction coach who's all about helping you significantly reduce your stress so that you can actually enjoy your daily life. Now, on this podcast, we highlight badass women who are living their best lives, who are striving for more, who are taking care of themselves in the process. And today on the podcast, we are joined by Amy Deagle, the founder and CEO of the International Network of Nurse Leaders. Now, Amy and I actually work together. I do some freelance work for Amy. And over the course of working with her for the past six months, I've been continually impressed at her drive, her grit, and how she overcomes stumbling blocks. I'm also always impressed by how Amy has a big idea and she puts it into action. She does not second guess herself, she just goes. In this interview, we talk about how she got into nursing in the first place, how she responds when people tell her no or that she'll fail, creating the international network of nurse leaders, 20 seconds of insane courage and why you're not starting over, you're starting from experience. So no matter what profession you're in, Amy has some incredible leadership lessons to share with our listeners. And you might be thinking to yourself, hey, I'm not a leader, I'm not a manager, I'm not a supervisor. We talk about everyday leadership, leadership that shows up whether you're a stay-at-home parent or a CEO or you're, you know, or in a lower level position, it doesn't matter. Everyone is a leader in different areas of their lives. So it's really applicable no matter what your career. And uh, I had such a great time talking to Amy. Now, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. I want to tell you something really quick about ATB, especially given sort of the economic climate. I think most nonprofits are really, uh, really struggling this year. So I want to tell you about ATB Cares. Now, ATB will match 15% of donations made to Alberta, non-religious charities up to 20000 per month or almost a quarter of a million dollars a year. So not only are they making sure that 100% of your donation goes to the charity of choice when you donate through atbcares.com, but they're also going to match that an extra 15%. Now, if you donate through certain websites, they take a percentage of that fee. If you want 100% of your donation to go to a charity of your choice, try using ATV Cares and they will match it uh, every 15% of every dollar to that annual limit of almost a quarter of a million dollars. So go to atbcares.com. Now, if you enjoy listening to Amy's story and stories of entrepreneurs in general, you might like The Creative Block. Now, this is a podcast by a fellow Alberta Podcast Network member. Kyle Marshall of Media Lab YYC interviews artists and entrepreneurs about where they came from, what they're doing now, and where they want to go. He has interviewed some fascinating local entrepreneurs, and I highly recommend that you check out his podcast. So you can find all that information in the show notes for today. You go to girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast dash 132 episode number 132 I can't believe how far we've come you guys okay without further ado let's head into the podcast well thank you so much Amy for joining the podcast I'm really pleased to have you thank you for having me Victoria I am excited to be here with you today well, as I already kind of said in the bio, you and I know each other through sort of I do a little bit of work for you. And we were introduced through Stephanie Pollock, who's been a two-time guest on the podcast. Yes. Uh, not only is Stephanie kind of a huge reason as to why 
I am where I am in my business, uh, the podcast would not be possible without you. So I wouldn't say you just do a little bit of work. You are my right oh. <laughs> hand to making sure that my podcast goes off without a hitch. So I appreciate uh, the amazing work you do. Oh, well, thank you so much. I am a fan of podcasts and it's been fascinating for me to between you and a couple other clients that I work with to sort of get to know different podcast genres. I would never have been exposed to nurse leadership. So it's fascinating for me. But as I've gotten to know you, like you've wanted to become a nurse ever since you were a child. And you've shared some really funny stories with me about how like what this looked like in your childhood. Can you share some of that with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So one of my earliest memories is playing labor and delivery nurse with my sister or nursery room nurse, I guess is what it used to be. And we had a huge picture window in our uh, living room. And at night, you know, when it get dark, we could see our reflection in it. And so we would play that we were showing the parents on the other side of the window, uh, their babies. And we had all these Uh, dolls and our stuffed animals and our mom taught us how to properly swaddle a baby from the time we were like three and four years old it was kind of funny Um, and that's what we used to play and like I remember pulling the couch cushions off our couch so that it looked like a hospital rail and having my sister lay there and being like just take deep breaths it's fine it's coming (laughs) and then like pulling this baby out of her belly button because obviously when you're four that's where babies come from is out of your tummy and um, I remember my parents coming in shortly after I had delivered that uh, little doll from my sister's belly button and being like, do you guys want to have a real brother or sister? And we were like, yeah. So that's how they told us they were expecting uh, my brother. And so, yeah, so since I can remember, uh, nursing has been a huge part of my life. My grandma was a nurse and um, a couple aunts and stuff. So it was, uh, I guess, in my blood. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And like your, what was it? Your fourth birthday cake was a nurse? It was. Yeah. My fourth birthday cake was a nurse hand done by my mom. And actually, you know, when I was making the decision in high school, you know, when you start doubting yourself and is this really the thing you're supposed to be doing or is this just kind of the only option that's been presented to you? I had decided to go um, and job shadow at the local hospital. And the one and only time I've passed out in nursing was that day. (laughs) (laughs) What What were they doing? Oh, this uh, guy had come in and he had had his appendix out and uh, his packing in his appendix wound had got infected and they pulled that out and the the smell and the pain he was in and I hadn't eaten enough that day and I just remember getting really hot and thinking I need water and so I kind of stumbled out of the emergency department and boom fell flat over in the waiting room yeah um and passed out and the ambulance attendant that was at the hospital at the time came running over and you know tried to fix my hair and all this sort of stuff brought me to and uh yeah and I remember thinking ooh, did I make the right decision because I'd already had my uh acceptance into nursing at that point in time but that is the only time I've actually passed out so oh my gosh yeah so like I mm, this is just personal but I had the inverse reaction which was my my dad um has been was on kidney dialysis when he was I don't know when I was probably 12 years old and I remember visiting him at the foothills and it didn't happen to him but the man sitting next to him I can't remember exactly what it was but his um his line came out and it like the I'm getting all the terminology wrong but it was like very closely connected to an artery right and this man's blood shot across the room like mm-hmm. it looked like a 
gory show and I was like nope this is not something I ever (laughs) want to do so I so appreciate the people who can deal with that right in in an emergency right like nurses firefighters even teachers in the classroom like you guys are heroes so thank you for (laughs) for all nurses well thank you so I'm actually curious so you come from a small town right from the country if you will mm-hmm. a town of 600 people 600 people and mm-hmm. when you you went to U of C right and University of Calgary I did yes and did you have this vision that like you wanted to move to Calgary that you wanted oh my to live in the city yes absolutely so when I graduated high school I was never moving back to a small town it was <laughs> you know in my mind the worst thing <laughs> that uh, I had lived through and I was hellbent on being a downtown city girl. So yeah, I moved to U of C. I remember walking on campus my first day and being like, what did I do? And standing (laughs) under the arches at U of C and being like, okay, is there anybody at home that would marry me (laughs) that I could just move home right now? And that answer was nope. So I decided I had to stay. But very quickly, uh, you know, being in a bio class, freshman biology, there was 1,500 kids in that class. What? I came from a town of 600 people. Like my graduation class was 23 people. Like it was crazy. So it was quite a bit of culture shock. And, you know, I, I found out very quickly that city life wasn't for me. I'm a small town girl at heart. That's truly where my passion is. And I'm passionate about rural and my upbringing. Um, I'm a horrible farm girl. You can ask my family. <laughs> it's much cheaper to have me uh, off the farm and be in a supervisory role than touch any sort of equipment. I have done things to the equipment that people can't even imagine how I got myself into situations uh, with it. So, but I'm I'm truly grateful for the rural roots and the upbringing I had and being from a small town, I'm very proud of. So actually um, with my nursing degree, I went into the faculty advisor in my uh, beginning of my third year and I said, I need to fast track my degree. How do I get out of here sooner? And so I actually took uh, two to three extra courses per semester in my third year so that uh, at the end of my third year was the end of my time in Calgary. I did my final practicum uh, of my fourth year out in rural and then finished a half a semester early. So, And weren't you told that that wasn't going to be possible? Oh, yes. They told me I absolutely I would fail out. I wasn't going to be able to do it, which then just makes me dig in and say, oh, watch me. So if you ever want me to do something, you just tell me I can't. And I <laughs> Reverse psychology works super well for me. (laughs) Which I think is great because most people would have like the opposite reaction, right? Yeah. And, you know, when I look back um, over my early nursing career, same thing. I wanted to do rural and I wanted to do labor and delivery. And everybody told me that was not possible. I got a lot of advice that I needed to stay within the city and work for at least five years in med surge and get a good grounding or that if I was going to do rural, I should start in maybe continuing care or in just the med surge part of acute and stay away from emerge and labor and delivery. And that just wasn't going to happen. So I had the fortune of, you know, being single that I could just move around to the places that were offering me the job that I wanted. And I ended up finding a rural facility where I could just do labor and delivery. And that was in High River. And that was it was a great place to work, and it's uh, one of my fondest memories of where I've worked as a nurse. So, yeah, when people tell you you can't be done, there's always a way if you have the will. Yeah. Well, and your career has been very varied. Like, you've traveled with nursing, you've done labor and delivery, and now you're in nurse leadership. So 
why nurse leadership? What what was important about that for you? Well, you know, when I was growing up, I was heavily involved in uh, 4-H, which is basically leadership training when you look at it. So I was in B4-H, which meant we had animals and there was a lot of responsibility. But within that as well, you have to do public speaking and there are different positions within the membership that you can be president of the 4-H club or vice president, secretary. So basically really giving you those leadership roles to step into as a young person and through provincial 4-H camps and different conferences and stuff, um, I was elected as a 4-H ambassador when I was 18 to serve a two-year term really representing 4-H. So leadership's always been a part of my life and I never viewed it as something that was, you know, the old white guy in the corner office type of thing. I viewed leadership as something that every person can do in their everyday life. And I saw that modeled to me uh, through my parents' involvement in different community um, and church events in our small town. Uh, They were the leaders of our 4-H club and just really how each person has the ability to be a leader every day, whether that's through Uh, modeling kindness and compassion, being generous with your time, that sort of thing. That's all leadership to me. So really stepping into a leadership role within the nursing profession kind of just was meant to be, I guess. That's really the marrying of my two passions, leadership and nursing, together. And so, again, I worked my way into, into a management role by being able to get experience in one area and then being able to, when a job came up, be able to move and pursue that. So I've had the the fortune of being able to move and take advantage of opportunities um, that have come up in different locations across Alberta and when I was traveling the States and stuff as well. But in, in talking to you and in working with you, I realized that the gender stereotypes are still kind of there, right? Like you've talked about how the percentage of men who are in nursing is small, but the percentage of nurse leaders, there's a higher percentage of men who are nurse leaders, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's uh, statistics out of the states that is the general workforce uh, population breakdown for men is 10% of men are uh, nurses in the US. And once you get into leadership roles, it's like a 60-40 or 70-30 split where the men are the higher population. And when I was talking to a guest on my podcast about his career trajectory into nursing, he um, into leadership position in nursing, he said, well, it was kind of just expected that he would move up quickly. He didn't um, face the same kind of setbacks or just people saying, well, you're not ready yet or, you know, you need to do more time here or um, he didn't face any of those challenges of people trying to keep him down. He was really promoted and and accelerated through and he recognized that there is that bias in nursing. If men want to stay as floor nurses, they're thought of as less than for some reason, which I don't understand. And he said, you know, they're expected to be into leadership and management tracks. So the bias uh, works for him in his career, he said, you know, that he was able to move up very quickly without it being uh, a challenge. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is interesting. We'll link to your podcast in today's show notes it's called the shift change podcast for anyone who's listening. <laughs> What's interesting, I, I find whether it's nursing, entrepreneurship, anything like that, like, ambition has a really negative connotation for women, you'll hear men say all the time, they're ambitious, they've got ambition. If women are perceived as ambition it seems ambitious it seems to be with a bit of negativity like do you see this shifting at all does it affect your ambition um it's never affected mine i definitely 
uh, say that there definitely is that negative connotation for women, um, especially working moms. I find, you know, um, I, I am single, I don't have kids. And so it's been less of an issue, I think for me that it's been a bad thing. But if a woman with children was to try and advance her career and put her career first and drive focus, people are really judgy about that. And I, I really feel for them as they're trying to do this balancing act of kids and work and a career. And for some reason, society likes to be very hard on working moms. <laughs> yep. And so um, I, I hope this is shifting. You know, we're seeing more women into leadership positions and well, I guess not anymore into the politics. Our, <laughs> our female representation has dropped a bit, but I, I do see it shifting somewhat. And I think with the new generation that's coming up into the workforce, you know, they were raised by strong working moms, a lot of them, and by fathers who champion that. And I think that's a big piece of why I never saw ambition as a bad thing is my dad encouraged us, you know, to go after our dreams and to to pursue our careers. And it didn't matter um, that we were girls. He, he did it the same for my brother, but there was never a different expectation because we were the girls. Everybody was expected to go to school and get a degree period, end of story. And so I really feel like there's a place for men to be championing, you know, their daughters and their sisters and their wives and their everybody to be, you know, more ambitious and to really support them. Oh, I love it. A great feminist father. That's awesome. Yes, yes. Whether he wants to be or not, he was. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people don't necessarily uh, relate to the term, but facts are facts. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about the International Network of Nurse Leaders. So for those that don't know what it is, can you tell us a little bit about what it is, how it originated, what it's, what your mission is with it? Absolutely. The International Network of Nurse Leaders really was formed with the purpose of bringing nurses together in an effort to inspire them and empower them and help them lead change. So, so many nurses are involved in advocacy and activism work. We have this thought leadership that is happening in nursing, policy development, and really these movements for change happening across the world on a global scale. And so I wanted a place where nurses who were feeling called to this type of work could come together, share their ideas, get mentorship, support, and really champion and encourage that next generation of nurse leaders. And so the membership community is really about giving um, these nurses a safe place to, you know, get mentorship, work on their ideas, um, help to champion them and to give them a bit of mentorship and support, leadership skills help increase their confidence so that when they are um, advocating for change or influencing policy and decision making, they have that support and some resources to to really tackle that challenge. Well, and I think it's so important because I remember you like highlighting for me that there's not, you don't see nurses in the media called on as subject matter experts, right? No, like I just held a virtual event Last week, I guess, uh, not just a nurse day. And one of the presentations there was about nurses and social media. And I'm going to get this stat wrong, but I think it was since like the early 90s, the amount of nurses in media, so being called on to comment on stories, has not changed at all. And it's about 2% of healthcare stories actually ask a nurse. <laughs> and nurses, um, you know, make up the largest population of healthcare workers. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's, 
the nursing voice is lost. And a lot of times people think, well, if it's a health story, it makes more sense for a doctor to be commenting on it. But that's not true. Nurses are experts in the field of nursing, and they bring a very different lens to health stories and health situations. And so it's it's really too bad that we don't have more of a voice within mainstream media. Yeah, I was thinking I was prepping for this this morning when I was going for a walk and it was occurring to me, my son spent his first birthday in the hospital with RSV. I'm going to get the S wrong, but it's a respiratory virus. Can't remember what the S stands for. Uh, And we were in the hospital for a week and it was occurring to me that of all of my interactions with healthcare professionals that week, I would say 98% of my interactions were with nurses. Like, Mm-hmm. I was, I, you know, there were days that I missed the doctors on round because, you know, we were getting some food or whatever. Um, there were times or, or you didn't see consistently the same doctor or uh, anywho. It was nurses. It was nurses who I'm going to get emotional, but it was nurses who helped me not panic when my son couldn't breathe. It was nurses who helped clean up the vomit when he was coughing so hard like it was nurses who were there for not just the patients but the patients families and Mm -hmm. like it blows my mind that we don't I could go off on a political rant right now but like (laughs) the way that nurses are being affected and not just in our province and other provinces as well and yet they don't have that representation and that voice. You know, they're they're represented by doctors or they're represented by politicians. It just it just blows my mind. Blows my mind. So as someone who like really appreciated the healthcare support that we got when my like that was scary for us to be in the hospital with my son on his first birthday. Like mm-hmm. so nurses are incredible. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it, it's really an honor and a privilege to be a nurse because we are with people in their most vulnerable moments, in their most heartbreaking moments, and in their most, you know, life-affirming, amazing moments, um, like I was with labor and delivery. And we get to be part of people's stories, and we get to impact people on a deep, profound level. And, you know, years later, you still remember how those nurses treated you and that they were your source of comfort. And that's really what nursing you know, is about it's not just for the patient, but it's for the family as well. We really look at the patient beyond just, you know, their diagnosis. We're looking at all those aspects of their lives and the families are a huge part of that. And so, you know, nurses consistently rank as one of the most trusted or the most trusted profession in the world. But yet we're definitely not the most influential in terms of policy and decision making. And so that's really kind of the movement I wanted to impact with the International Network of Nurse Leaders is that nurses feel more confident and inspired to speak up and to pursue um, having a voice in the media and those sorts of things because our impact is important and we do have an expertise that deserves to be heard. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I I think I would be hard pressed to find somebody who doesn't have a story, good or bad, where a nurse has impacted their life. Uh, Truly, this, I'm just going to share another one really quickly. But after I had my son um, in the hospital, I remember, like, I've struggled with depression and some other challenges. And I remember I was hit real hard with some, I'm going to say a little bit of PTSD after like giving birth Mm -hmm. to my son. I had a really rough labor and I was struggling with breastfeeding. It was not coming naturally. It, It was stressing me out more than anything else. And I remember it was a nurse who said to me, you know, you don't have to do this. 
Like, you know, formula feeding is just as good for your baby. Whereas if I looked on my social media or my birth and babies class or anything like that, it was always breast is best. And there was so much pressure, but it was that nurse who made me feel like, no, I can make the choice that's best for me and my family. Mm -hmm. You know, and as a labor and delivery nurse, that was my biggest mission was that women felt like they had an empowered birth and postpartum experience with me. So people would come in with a birth plan, you know, this is the way it's going to go. And as we know, we cannot control uh, labor and delivery and things go sideways very quickly. But my goal was to always put the patient and, you know, her support people, whether that was a husband or a partner or family or whoever was there with her, really put them at the center and really keep them involved so that they felt like they were part of that decision-making process. So that no matter what happened, if their birth plan went completely perfect or if it went completely sideways um, and they ended up, you know, kind of with everything they didn't want, at the end of the day, they still felt part of that process and not like the thing had been done to them. Because with labor and delivery, we are in such a unique position as labor and delivery nurses, um, to be able to help create a strong, empowered woman. I had patients that came in that left the hospital completely transformed because they had been through this crazy experience that, you know, broke their limitations and, and what they thought was possible for themselves to get through. And they left the hospital empowered and strong. And they had this faith and this just this belief in themselves that they could do anything and to be part of that process was just amazing. And so I would say to them, you know, if you wanted a, a natural labor and now we're going for a C-section, the most important thing is that you have a safe and healthy delivery. We want a happy, healthy, safe mom and baby. Like at the end of the day, when your kid turns five, it's not going to matter if they came out vaginally or via C-section. It's important that you have a baby to turn five. And so you know, it was really kind of having that discussion and saying to them, look at you're already a great mom because you're making the choice to put the baby's health and safety first and let go of all your other expectations and how you thought this would go. And to really kind of frame it that way, that this wasn't, you know, something they had failed at doing or that they hadn't accomplished their birth plan because it had gone completely sideways, that they were already a great mom because they were putting their baby's health and safety first by making those tough choices and letting go of expectations. Well, and exactly what you're saying about like wanting moms to leave the hospital feeling empowered. That's exactly what you're doing for nurses through the international network of nurse leaders. You're giving them that information, that skill, the skills, the mentorship to leave more empowered. So I think it's kind of like you're, you're doing the same thing in your career, just in different ways, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's really about helping people find their confidence and really finding that belief in themselves and the power that they hold and really owning that because every person has that ability within them. And sometimes it's buried down deep because of different, you know, life circumstances or traumas, but every person has that in there. And I just, I feel honored to be in a place that I can help people find that yeah. belief in themselves again. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break from the podcast. I just want to let you know really quickly about Stress Less in 90 Days, our self-led program. So I am passionate about, about helping everyone reduce their stress because stress really is at the root of everything, right? Whether it's uh, financial, what's going on in your career, tr struggling with your kids, your health, your body, any of that. 
usually comes down to stress that just is affecting us in in really uh, visceral ways, right? So I wanted to make sure always that there was a very accessible way for people to access stress reduction coaching. Now, there's always group coaching, but we only do that a couple times a year. There's one-to-one coaching, although that's at a different price point and it's kind of expensive for a lot of people. And that is why my co-creator Amy Stubbs and I created Stress Less in 90 Days, the self-led version. We wanted people to be able to access the resources that they needed on their own schedule. So as a mama too, I am not exactly flush with a lot of free time either, which is why our self-led program helps you get exactly what you want in terms of stress reduction on your own timeline. Now, I was really honored recently to receive an email from a recent Stress Less in 90 Days self-led client. Uh, She described all the programs that she's tried and yet how none of them suited her needs or her lifestyle, but how ours was right up her alley. So I'm just going to read that to you really quickly because she was just so lovely. She said, my life is very different than most of the people I found on Instagram. And your account is one of the first that I've been able to relate to because you're real and you show it like it truly authentically is. We live remotely. The closest town is 40 minutes away and I have two toddlers. Thank you for taking the time to create a self-led option. That way I can start right now on my own schedule. So huge thank you uh, to the gal who left us this review. The bonus about Stress Less in 90 Days Self-Led is that if at any point you want to upgrade to the group coaching program, you can do that and we'll just charge you the difference of that. Now, here's I want to give you a quick glimpse as to what that actual self-led program looks like. So Stress Less in 90 Days Self-Led is 12 weeks of content to help you create the building blocks of stress reduction. Nothing happens overnight, so we take it bit by bit. It's maybe 20 minutes of video content a week plus some journaling, and everything builds on each other. We start with what exactly are the goals that you want? How do you set yourself up for success? How do you build energy? How do you create and manage that energy? What happens if you're not getting your action items? How to honor the yeses and the nos in your life? How to uh, different strategies to relieve your stress, including different meditation types, tapping, We dive deep into how to create strong habits. We actually got permission from James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, to teach some of his book in this uh, course. So that's incredible. And so much more. I feel like I'm speaking so quickly because there's so much content in here. So much and yet curated so that you're not um, like studying hours and hours a week, right? Like we know you don't have time for that. That's why I'm saying each week is no more than about 20 minutes of video content. There's a little bit of a journaling exercise and then you set what your goals are for that week, right? So it's entirely self-led, stress less than 90 days self-led. I'll include the link in today's show notes, but I honestly, we created what we wish we had at a really, really affordable price. So if you want to make the rest of this year, especially pre-holidays and 2020, the time that you stress less, I really encourage you to check out stress less than 90 days self-led or recommend it to someone in your life who is feeling the pressure. So wishing you all the best and let's head back into the interview. Well, and you've had to pull on that belief in yourself again, right? Like you've shared with me how you've had a couple sort of business ideas that didn't exactly pan out as is the case with many entrepreneurs. So I'm curious if you could share with us, like what is your process for getting back up and moving forward after a setback? 
I'm definitely not an expert on this because let me tell you, those failures hit me hard. Um, And, you know, I think even uh, I went in and did a master's of nursing to be a certified nurse midwife in the States. And my expectation of what that was going to look like when I came back to Alberta was completely different. And I only lasted for nine months being a a registered midwife in Alberta because of the, the way the system was set up and just all the politics around it. And, you know, for a long time, I really looked at that as a failure um, that I thought I'd wanted this thing and, you know, I couldn't hack it as a, a midwife. And it was really doing the hard work on yourself and really getting to understand your motivations and really what you truly want that helped me pull through that and see that in a different lens. And so, you know, with setbacks and failures, there's no such thing as a failure if you learn a lesson from it. The only way to fail is to just completely quit, give up and hide out. And unfortunately, that was my response a couple times to to business things. And, you know, I would highly advocate uh, for anybody that's feeling that way to to don't (laughs) get stuck in that cycle because everybody fails and everybody experiences setbacks. And it's honestly about the comeback and the learning the lessons so that you do better next time. And I like to say that you're not starting over, you're starting from experience. So use those lessons that you learned, what went wrong, why did it go wrong? There's a lot of self-reflection needed to make that be a, a lesson. But, you know, you're you're always learning, you're always growing, and nobody hits it out of the park the first times. You just have to have some grace with yourself and forgiveness that, you know, it didn't go as expected. And that's okay. That's part of being human. It's really about the carrying on and the moving forward. That's important. I like what you said there. It's you're not starting over, you're starting from experience. Yeah. Yeah. You you're a big believer and you do this within the network as well in talking about 20 seconds of insane courage. How what, what have those 20 seconds been like you for you? How have they showed up in your life? Oh, I love this. So this um, came from the movie We Bought a Zoo with Matt Damon. And he's talking to his kid uh, about asking a girl. And he says, you know, all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage and it can change your life. And I don't remember anything else that happens in that movie Mm -hmm. except for that one piece. And it stayed with me because it's so true. If you think back um, over your life, it's those small little moments of deciding to do something extremely courageous that have changed your life trajectory. So, you know, whether it's learning to drive for the, you know, actually putting the car in motion and (laughs) learning to drive, uh, applying to university or trade school or a job, um, it's those little moments of courage that really change your life trajectory. So um, a couple for me that stand out is uh, last March, I was at a nursing conference and I had this idea, not necessarily for a podcast, but that I wanted to interview nurse leaders and really find out what made their careers flourish and what kind of advice they had for other nurse leaders and for people that were looking to advance themselves, what advice would they give? And so I saw a nurse that I had been distantly connected with on Twitter and I just got this 20 seconds of insane courage and walked up to her and said like, hi, I know you from Twitter and I'm totally a fan of what you post. And she was like, okay. Um, and she was like, sorry, your name. And I, so I, you know, explained who I was and she was like, oh yes, no. I li-. And you know, she was so kind and so generous with her time. And, you know, she came back and she got me and she said, there's some other people I want you to introduce. I'd be happy to do this interview you were talking about. And I think they would be great as well. And through that, professional generosity that she showed, 
I was able to get, you know, six interviews done, which eventually turned into the podcast. <laughs> and, you know, that 20 seconds of going up to her completely changed my life because I wouldn't have the podcast and the business the way it is, you know, without that, that piece. And if you think back over your lives, you know, um, standing under those arches <laughs> at the U of C being like, can I go home and marry somebody or do I have to do this nursing degree? That 20 seconds of courage to actually walk into the classroom that, uh, you know, completely changed my life. Well, and you're so right. Like it shows up in everyday life, right? Like that's going up and speaking to someone at a conference. I remember like I was giving myself a challenge last year of like a hundred acts of courage. And for me, sometimes it was like taking both my kids out together on my own. <laughs> Cause that, mm -hmm. was, that was scary when my son was, you know, running everywhere. Uh, you know, it's tiny things like that. And you talk about that in terms of leadership, right? Like leadership shows up in the everyday, in every role, no matter what your title is. And that's not just yeah. for nurses, that's for everybody, right? Absolutely. And you know, one of those, the pieces with the 20 seconds of insane courage is you usually know you're at a moment that requires that because you feel so uneasy, right? And it, that's your comfort zone expanding, yep. <laughs> pushing those boundaries. And in my early 20s, I really got almost addicted to that feeling of like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm in this area of discomfort. And this is a good place to be in because it means I'm growing. And when I lost that feeling, whether it was in a um, position I was in, uh, like a nursing job or whatever, that's when I knew it was time to make the next step because I always wanted to be advancing myself and growing and learning. And I really think, you know, travel nursing definitely accelerated that because I remember being like 23 on a plane bound for Sitka, Alaska, which is a tiny island, to be the only labor and delivery nurse on shift. Um, looking back now, like, that's crazy to me. But at the time, I was just I focused and that's what I was going to do. And it was that courage and that feeling of being addicted to um, being uncomfortable that really accelerated my skills and really got me pushed out of my comfort zone to, um, I think, accelerate the career trajectory that I have had. Oh, that's great. This is a total side note. Is Sitka not like that movie, The Proposal, is that not oh, where 100%. Yeah, okay. Yes. I missed Ryan Reynolds by like six months. <gasps> Devastating. No. Yeah. Oh, yes. Heartbreak. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to move into the final five questions that I ask all of my guests. So we might have touched on it a bit, but what are the things or the projects that get you like fired up in a good way? Ooh, good question. Anything to do with leadership, everyday leadership, how to show up you know, the best version of yourself and really anything to do with empowerment, helping people find that voice within themselves, that belief inside themselves and really helping people kind of find that purpose and the passion of why they're here. That just fires me up. I could do that type of work all day long. Yeah. Uh, I know you're a big reader. So what's the most inspiring book that you've read in the past few years? Mm, I think I have to say I have two. Uh, I loved Becoming by uh, Michelle Obama. Yeah. I thought it was great, great memoir. And then the one I've been digging into and it takes a while because it's like I read through it and then I'm trying to like do the journaling and then actually implement things is uh, High Performance Habits with Brendan Bouchard. Love it's it. It's been a great, great book. Yeah. Yeah. I actually literally my podcast equipment is sitting on top of a high performance planner right now. <laughs> 
awesome. Yeah, I just got a stack of uh, six of them delivered to my house. So. Yeah, I'm uh, not great at following up with the nighttime portion of it, but I'm much better at setting out my intentions for the day. You know, and it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it really does. Yeah. So I, yeah, high performance habits, I highly recommend. Yeah. What are your go-tos? Okay, first of all, what stresses you out? And then what are your go-to ha- strategies for handling that stress? <laughs> well, I, I suffer from anxiety. Um, it really started when I was a midwife and I didn't have control over the situations. Um, I remember one time being stuck on Deerfoot in rush hour traffic trying to get to a home birth. Oh, and the baby was due to be coming and nobody else is there. And I was stuck uh, in park essentially on Deerfoot. And that's really uh, when I'm looking back over my life when <laughs> anxiety started to creep in. Yeah. And so anything where I feel like I'm out of control is is an area that can definitely uh, put me into high, high stress. And so um, strategies for dealing with that, uh, I've learned I need to have some sort of physical activity every day. So whether that's a walk or yoga or an exercise program, just committing to that exercise piece for my mental health has been huge. And then also starting in January this past year, I started meditating every morning and I found that that has helped tremendously as well to just try and remember to just drop into your body because I can live so much in my head and not even really be breathing. So it's really just like, okay, you need to actually take a deep breath that expands your lungs and not just have this little shallow breathing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I'm a big list taker. If I'm stressed because I'm overwhelmed because I have so many things on the go, making those to-do lists and checking them off really helps me stay focused. Yeah. With the meditation, how long are you meditating for? Um, It depends on the day. Minimum 10 minutes. I use the Calm app and they have a daily meditation in there. It changes every day and it's usually about 10 minutes. And then there's days when I feel like it needs to be a bit longer. And so um, I'll do a longer one. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I find the apps or the guided meditations are very helpful. Well, for someone like me who struggles to get my brain to stop, those are very helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've, I found it made a huge difference with just being able to switch off your brain to go to sleep. Yeah. To, mm-hmm. By doing that practice as you're laying there um, to help calm your mind. And actually, interesting, this is a complete side note, but my aunt is a, a teacher in a very small school. She teaches grade one, two, three combined. And oh. she started a meditation ritual every morning with those kids and her little grade oneer um, that was like a very high activity child he told his dad you know this is the first time I've been able to quiet my mind and I can go to sleep oh yeah I learned how to quiet my mind so I can just go to sleep and so you know why isn't that part of our education anyway that's a side note yeah. but well no it's interesting because I've been interviewing a lot of teachers recently for for a different project and um you know, they've been talking about the anxiety that students are coming in with is like at an all time high. And so it's yeah, these, these strategies work most of the time, no matter what our age, right, you just make them age appropriate. 100%. And that's the thing too, like, within my role as a nurse um, manager, I'm in primary care, and a lot of our focus is on chronic disease. And part of my issue is that we're always putting money into Um, programs to help people, you know, learn to stop smoking or to eat better now that they have diabetes or obesity. And we're not looking at preventative stuff. And that starts, well, really preconception through, you know, pregnancy, healthy 
moms in pregnancy equal healthier babies, all that sort of stuff, uh, which is definitely an area of passion of mine. But even school age kids, why aren't we teaching them coping skills so that they don't turn to food or you know, smoking or drugs or alcohol as their coping mechanisms. We need to be teaching them coping skills and how to deal with going on. Because I mean, we live in a completely different world than we did even 10 years ago. And the amount of information and stress and anxiety is at an all time high for everybody. And so we're doing a disservice by not teaching kids how to properly manage that from a young age so that they have those tools as things get worse yeah and I think part of it is teachers just like they have five jobs on their plates right like anyways total side note but like teachers nurses I think you are all over strained under resourced and uh, we really need to start focusing on the people who are making a big difference in our lives and appropriately funding them okay soapbox over (laughs) (laughs) so what is the best life lesson that you've learned or advice that you've been given Mm, I think this this goes back to kind of just um you know, when I did perceive myself as failing or having those setbacks um, that, you know, I feel like I quit too soon. And so the best life lesson I've learned and like the mantra I now live by is learn to rest, not to quit. Mm-hmm. So when you have those setbacks or when things aren't going the same way, just taking a step back, doing some self-reflection, some journaling, and just really taking a rest, but not completely throwing in the towel and quitting. And that even goes for something as simple as an exercise program. Like I used to be so all or nothing that I'd start, you know, working out and I would do three days and then I'd miss a day and I'd be like, well, well yeah, <laughs> not going to pick that back up for four years. Um, so really it was shifting this mentality of it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And if I miss a day, that's okay. And I can start over the next day and it's not a, well, that's the end of it. So really that mentality has helped a lot in the last few years. I think that's great. Like I talk to clients about this a lot of like, see things as an experiment and not just a rule, right? Cause the rule is the all or nothing the you do or you don't. The experimentation is you can shift, you can adapt, you can try things out and rest, right? Mm-hmm. And really like there's no harm in that rest period, right? Yeah. That self-reflection, that really digging into who you are, getting some clarity around your values. All that work is hard to do, but it's worth it because, you know, as long as you're breathing, you can make a change in your life. And, <laughs> I like that. You know, nobody is too old or too young to do that. And I, I really, truly believe that. And so, um, you know, sometimes life can be overwhelming and discouraging and it just seems easier to just, you know, light it on fire and walk away sometimes. <laughs> um, and that's not necessarily true. Yeah. Yeah. So final question, Amy, is what does it mean to you to lead your best life? Ooh, you have great questions. I really think this is really living your purpose-driven life. So why are you here? Who are you here to serve? What is the impact you're making in the world? And how are you making the world a better place? I think if we were all trying to live into that possibility and the potential, the world would be a better place. And so really, uh, for me, that's that's helping people find that self-belief, that courage to, to believe in themselves and to put their talents and skills out into the world, whether that's through nursing or leadership or, you know, any area of passion they have, being a great mom, friend, you know, anything like that. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So thank you very much to our guest today, Amy Deagle. She had some really great insights. I have to say for me, it was I, I really loved what she said about it's not about starting over. It's about starting from experience. Uh, I think it ties into our last coaching episode on um, 
you know, it's not about how much you fall, it's about how much you get back up and how you bounce back. So I think it was really, really relevant for this week. I also love the 20 seconds of insane courage, right? Like it, it really does come down to those small moments. And if you can push through that 20 seconds, you're going to feel a little uncomfortable, but I guarantee it's going to feel so much better on the other side of it. Now, I just wanted to remind you, if you're interested in Stress Less in 90 Days Self-Led, the link is in your show notes for today in the description of wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. Uh, We would love to know what you're loving about the podcast. And if you want to recommend a guest, you can also just let us know there as well. Wishing you all the best and I can't wait to talk to you next week. Bye.